Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Don Bob stops by with a January TV update. We go back into the vault where it all started. And how right or wrong were we on predictions for pop culture? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. All right, well, we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the pop culture cosmos. It is a time for a great TV update. And I will tell you what, she is back again and back again strong. Very patient with me. <laughs> being able to reschedule on the fly she is truly tremendous indeed you got to check out what she's doing today at the mother daughter ish i always try to get that ish in a high note <laughs> you got to go ahead and go download it wherever you can spotify apple amazon wherever YouTube. you get your podcasts yeah youtube wherever you get your podcasts it is don fobs don great to have you back I know Thank you've you. been watching the tube. You've been watching oh everything that's going on. Oh, well, you can't even say tube anymore. You're watching the flat screen and everything right? that's going on. Yes. You can't even <laughs> say plasma. Watching the streams. <laughs> yes. You can't even say plasma anymore. You can't say CRT. You can't say tube, plasma. You're just watching the flat screen. What's been going on? I know there's been a lot of renewals. Actually, in January, a lot of these shows are starting up again with new episodes. We've yep. seen over the past few days, especially with the NFL football games, because they produce such high ratings. Yeah, a lot of these yeah. shows, uh, a lot of these networks have been trying to piggyback their shows off these football games. For yeah. instance, last week's NCIS Hawaii, they put a special Sunday night showing right after the football game just to feed Mark. off of those, yes, big ratings Mark. for a part one of a part two type series. Yeah. of shows so i want to hear your thoughts on what's going on this month i know i've been checking out ozark emily in paris a lot of great mm-hmm. things plus yeah. also there's a you know a lot of decisions that have been made on cancellations renewals of course your thoughts on what's going out there on the scene in the world of television well i was very very excited this month to see that janet jackson was doing her documentary and it uh premiered on lifetime and a and e friday and saturday night that was pretty awesome i know i've been a janet jackson fan for years she she was the reason why i loved watching her on good time control yeah yeah, yeah. it was just so great to be able to see such a little young girl on tv and the fact that she was a part of the jackson five was really cool so that documentary was awesome if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out I'm sure you can watch some of the reruns or if you recorded it. Like for me, since it was a two-night, four-part series, I recorded it so that I could watch it all in one digest, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I know the biggest, newest returning TV shows for 2022, Euphoria Season 2 came back, which we already expected because Zendaya has been killing it in it. 
Yeah, it reached some of the the last episode of that season reached the highest as far as a TV series yeah. concerned, maybe outside of Secession. Just yeah. did great oh. numbers and congratulations oh my God. to Cesar was so good. It ended on such a great note. Also, Billions is back with their yes. season six. That one, I just absolutely love it. I like the uh, road that they're taking right now where everybody's kind of on the down because I already know. Let me tell you something. By the time they get to the last three episodes, everybody's going to be back up on a high. It's going to be butt kicking all day long. I already know it. I'm excited. I started watching it the other day and I was like, yeah, I already know how this is going to go. Now, I'll tell you. I was a little surprised that Superman and Lois season two came back. I, I wasn't expecting that because I never hear buzz about it from anybody that I know that's watching it. I kind well, of done. I mean, it's the CW. I mean, CW, I know, it's but... really, it's really, really, really hard to have a show that gets canceled due to ratings when the ratings are low for entirely across the board for their shows especially one that's related in the dc universe i know because that that network is so uh, i guess uh dependent on all those dc universe shows the flash verse or whatever you want to go ahead and and call it that's there and actually grant gustin is in negotiation final negotiations to approve on a season nine contract so it looks like oh whether you like goodness. it or not there will be another season of the flash in the not too distant future oh wow now the flash i tell you what i was all in on that one so i hope that that one continues and continues you know i tried to get into a show on netflix called archive 81 mm-hmm. it freaked me out so much that i watched <laughs> at least two episodes and i was like eh. my daughter tells me though that it really is good and that i should give it another chance so i just might give it another chance Ozark season four came back with a bang. I mean, they didn't even they didn't even cuddle us or anything. They just went straight in. I well, this is their daughter, final season for that. Yeah, show. I hope not, but that's what they've been saying. But I told my I text my daughter and I said, Well, Ozark season four has gone straight narcos. I mean, it just yeah. was so so it was so different than the first two seasons, but I guess they gotta kind of prove their ending point or whatever uh emily and paris came back with a really cute night i like that show it's very cute it's very you know kind of you know i guess it's kind of girly or whatever but it's really cool i was excited. that got renewed for two seasons i love it i love it i'm just for, I'm not just one about didn't it. get didn't get renewed for just the next season it got renewed yeah. for the next two seasons so that's it a is, great find a lot of people it, it, it. now that one i do hear a lot of people talk about I know you like Bull, and it says that it's going to end after six seasons. Do you think that's true, or it'll come back? Well, I, I, I kind of dropped off Bull after the first couple seasons, but okay. and especially after the allegations and things that went yeah. down as far as yeah. in real yeah. life, I yep. didn't want yep. to really associate with that show. Right, that is right. something I think that I'm surprised it actually stayed around as long as it did after those allegations. But, yeah. yes, it is going to well, be a, a, a yeah, serious CBS ending. Says that they're going to part their ways with them and uh, Michael Weatherly, you know, quit the series. So yeah. it's kind of like, and, okay. and CSI Vegas, I do know that they did get approved for season two. Georgia mm-hmm. Fox will not be returning. She said there's no her character if there's no Grissom. So there you have both or none. And she has said, no, I'm out. Uh, I know that the, uh, the coroner in on the show, he is also leaving the show, but uh, I know oh. that there's still a lot of good signs. And I think there's still a lot of individuals in the CSI universe. They can bring back George Eads has been talked about. There's other stars from the CSI era, March mm-hmm. They can always can bring her back as well if they want to go ahead and have that old CSI remembrance helping out with the new CSI team. So that's something that 
you know, is going to be there. I don't know if it's going to be on an extended season or just a limited season, but that's what I've heard that for season two, that they're, at least they're going to get those episodes underway. So that's a good oh, wow. sign. Abbott Elementary is the one that's been talked about a lot. Oh, my goodness. It has been raved and raved and raved and raved. Talk about on, I mean, but, you know, here's the good thing, too. It's on ABC and it's on Hulu. So you kind of well, got, got the broadcast the, people. You got the stream people. The delayed viewing on that show, I I don't know. I forget the exact how many times, but I think it's done at least three to four times what the actual live viewing is. Mm-hmm. It's is really done well in what they call the plus seven. Oh, okay. Deal. That means the seven days after its initial airing, either on something like you said, like a Hulu or like, you, you know, whoever, if you have like a, a after viewing where you can watch it digitally or maybe even abc.com. You know, uh-huh. Those plus seven signs are becoming more and more important for people and networks because it they gauge exactly how popular it is like CSI Vegas. CSI mm-hmm. Vegas got okay ratings during the course of its lifetime, first run, but the plus seven numbers, the seven days after it's aired, it got mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of viewership. And that's one of the reasons why it, it got a renewal. Abbott Elementary has been killing it on the plus seven. Killing so, it. I mean, yeah. there's another show my daughter told me to watch called How I Met Your Father. I was a little bit confused because I remember How I on Met Hulu. Your Mother. But she said, yeah, she said that How I Met Your Father is really, really good. So I'm going to check that one out. And then, of course, February 2nd, Pam and Tommy is coming mm-hmm. out. So that's Pam Absolutely. and Tommy. I think that one's going to be interesting because people, no matter what, we love Pamela Anderson. I mean, it's just like she's like a staple. I think, you know, I, my generation my kids' generation, they everybody knows who Pamela is. And, you know, the boys, of course, they know who Tommy Lee is because he's a rocker. So I think that one's going to be interesting. I haven't checked out the preview or anything to kind of Well, with Sebastian Stan and Seth Rogen being involved yeah. as part of the cast, it's very interesting what this little mini-series is going to do. Right. It's something that Hulu has been putting a lot of advertisement time in. Yeah. It is hitting on a week, just a couple days before some other series, some other movies, and some other video games come down to Pike. So it's coming a little bit earlier so people get a yeah. chance to go ahead and check that out. So could be a win for Hulu, a much-needed win for Hulu. Yeah. Uh, I think also much as well, needed. you were talking about Billions. Showtime, we cannot stop talking about Showtime because it's seemingly yeah. Showtime – I had mentioned that that was a network of the past, but it still is staying around. It has enough quality shows. It's sprinkling enough quality shows to go ahead and show its relevance out there with all the streaming giants. So that's very interesting indeed. But I know you also wanted to talk about some other TV renewals and cancellations that are around the pike. Anything else you're hearing about in TV land? Not really. Like I was saying, I'm surprised that the Lois and Superman got renewed because I didn't, I didn't, I don't hear buzz about it, but you're you're right about it being in that DC comic world that they're loyal, loyal, loyal fans uh, to that. Oh, I will tell you that. I don't know if you ever watched a show called Younger. They were supposed to get canceled and they got a seventh season and they kind of just didn't announce it, but just kind of threw it out there. So it got uh, it got put out and I watched the season seven about a week ago. And I'm telling you, it gave everything it was supposed to. I was in on day one, though. So I was there seven years ago when it came out. So I have fallen in love with those characters. So I was very, very excited about those characters being. uh, Now, I don't think it's going to actually come back after this seventh one, because they said they just kind of wrapped it up for everybody. And the way they wrapped it up with all the characters, they also said that they were going to give Hillary Duff a spinoff 
but then it's been canceled. They're not going to give her a spinoff from that younger show. And I was thinking she could have done very well with the spinoff because they were the main, main characters other than the love story that was in there. But I think Hillary Duff, you know, my kids loved Hillary Duff way back from Lizzie McGuire. So I do think that she could have stood on her own with a spinoff, which I've noticed with all of these other shows, they're kind of doing spinoffs, like even with the housewives and things like that. Everybody's kind of getting their own little spinoff type of thing. I've never been into the housewife shows. So to see a spinoff wouldn't be interesting to me either, but I just think that it's creative. If the show is dying and it doesn't have the ratings, but people like certain characters, then it's good to do a spinoff so that you keep the storyline going with those characters that, the public does seem to like. So I think that's pretty exciting. But um, I did notice that uh, Netflix put out a lot of movies, but a lot of them were kind of like scary movies, kind of like, you know, fear movies. I watched, oh, my favorite girl, Kristen Bell. She's in a show. Actually, it's a series. I watched it last night and it is called, oh gosh, 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 Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Just, oh my gosh, my daughter told me about it. And I said, I don't think I want to watch. Oh, The reason I don't remember the name is because it's so long. It's the girl across the street from the girl in the window. That's too long for me. That's too long. It's actually a spoof off of the Hitchcock's rear window. And I I told my daughter that. Yeah. She she intentionally acts bad because it's a spoof. And she was reading a book about it and just trying to figure out the little thing that happened. But the ending of it, let me tell you, the ending of it blew my mind because it reminded me, I can't say the other movie because then it'll give it away, but it reminded me of another scary movie that we always joke about where she says, why Emily, why Emily, why Emily? That's the craziest scary movie I've ever seen. But I like Kristen Bell so much that I took one for the team and I continued to watch because by the time it got to episode three, I was like, okay, this is now getting good. Cause I almost gave up 20 minutes in, but I will just say that it is definitely worth watching. The title is ridiculously long, but it is worth watching. And if you're a Kristen Bell fan, then you're good. You're all in it because I've been a fan of hers for a long time as far as all of her movies. Absolutely. She but it's a lot it. going on. Yes, it's done a lot going on, but I heard a lot of good things about it. Again, you want to go ahead and check out what she's doing today. It is Don Fobbs at the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. Before we head on out, I want to go ahead and update people on The Righteous Gemstones, the comedy from HBO Max that was renewed for a third season. CBS renewed some of their comedies, including Bob Hart's Abishola, also as well Ghosts, which is based off the mm-hmm. BBC hit. And this has been a hit for CBS as far as a debut comedy. Good word, good things abound for it. So it was renewed for a second season. Also as well, The Neighborhood, I did not know it was already nearing its fifth season. I can't yes. believe it. it seems like the other day that it just premiered. I'm just like, okay, it's now in right. five, season five. It's already getting up to uh, residuals and reruns where it can right. go ahead and really make the money in syndication. So syndication, the, yep. the Neighborhood is coming for season five. Peacock's One of Us is Lying. That's coming out for premiere date. That's still on the way. But The Great from Hulu, starring Elle Fanning, that mm-hmm. is something that's going to be renewed for a third season because that's oh. kind of, it's it's kind of a dramedy. It has a very light feel. It's very comedic as far as the tone, that especially right. the dialogue, if you ever get a chance to watch it. So The Great, that's coming back for third season. But yeah, you're going to be seeing more decisions made here in the next few weeks on yeah. a lot of these shows. Grey's Anatomy has been renewed for what the umpteen thousand seasons, so that really doesn't come <laughs> as a shock. 
So I guess 19, 19. I think it got new life when it went over to the streaming networks as well. Oh, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is pretty soon here in the next few weeks, we're going to get a documentary on Netflix about Kanye West. And let me tell you why it's going to be interesting, because they're not allowing him to edit. They're taking the raw footage and they're going to do it the way they want to do it because he has said that he's going to sue them if they don't allow him to edit it. And they said, go ahead. Right. He's a very controversial figure. And yeah, I'll just yeah, but I like yeah. the fact that they're not going to allow him to go in and edit it and cookie cut it, but they want to show us what really happens behind the scenes. So I'm quite excited to see what's going to happen with that. And I hope they don't acquiesce to him saying they're going to sue him. You know, he already gave the rights when they started filming him years ago. So don't try to come back in the end and say, hey, I don't want people to see me doing this, this and this. No, let us see you doing this, this and this so that then we can make better informed decisions on who we support and who we don't. And last but not least, the highly successful Yellow Jackets has oh, been approved goodness. for another season. That I was a no that. doubter. That was actually another hit show for Showtime. And yeah. a lot of people are really, really looking forward to it. It ended on such a good note, a mysterious note. So people are really looking forward to that. But before we have an out, Don, you got to go ahead and give us an update on what you're talking about and what you're going ahead and going to do upcoming shows on at the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. Well, we're excited because we just are getting ready to finish up our January series, which is New Year, New View, and we've had an amazing time with that. We are getting ready for our February series, and we're going to go back to our regular schedule, which is Monday, I'm sorry, which is Sundays and Wednesdays. We have our Friday preview shows where people are sending us so many products and different things in that we're going to display. And then we have our Saturday outings that we're going to do. Our Saturday outings for February are going to be Miami because we're headed to Miami in about a week or so. But we are having a great time just talking about everything i mean we've got so many topics coming up that are going to be of interest and just expanding our show i have some really 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 good news that i want to share with you and you're the first person i'm telling this to well thank you i appreciate it i'm honored we have uh, started the uh, construction on our new podcast studio. I added a room onto the house that's going to be for the studio only. So that's it'll awesome. be done in a few weeks. And I'm excited about that. I can't wait to show your tour. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to see it. I'd love to, uh, wish you congratulations on that. And hopefully Thank it you. will lead to a much more successful show. You're already a successful show. What is your goal again? One million women out there? One million women for business, for communications, for growing, for advancement of, you know, women and especially mothers and daughters, but women as a whole. So our goal is one million and we're going to get there crawling. (laughs) What a great cause. And of course, you'll need an extra room for that, a specific room for that. that, Those kind of goals. You know what? I tell you what, it's just great to hear you once again. Great to get you for you to check in. Looking forward to hearing what you're coming up with on February because February, there's nothing slowing it down because there's a lot of TV, a lot of streaming that's going to debut. I've already seen some of the stuff that's coming out. It's going to be a lot to talk about coming up when you come back on. It is Dawn Fobbs. She is one of the hosts along with her daughter for the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. Please check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Dawn, it's been great having you here. Any last thoughts on the way out? My last thoughts are I cannot wait to start looking at what's going to be coming out for the spring because I think the spring is going to bring some very new shows, but then also we're going to get a lot of results on some of the ones that have just come out. So I'm excited for the next season of what's coming on because, I mean, I'm not going to stop watching all these great shows, and I'm one of those people that I will try a new show out just to kind of see what's going on, and sometimes they end up really being a hit. 
And also there's so many more documentaries of different people. Oh, and by the way, last time when we spoke about Sydney 48, there is going to be a documentary going to be done. I think Oprah's going to be doing it. And then somebody else, yes. her family is going to be doing a documentary. So there's two yes. that are going to be coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. And I hope it's going to be during 2020. See, that's what I don't like. I mean, I've heard about the one with Oprah and then you're talking yeah. about an additional one. Yeah. It should all be combined into one. You know, I know. It sounds Look like how they did the Aretha Franklin story. They did the one, and then they have the other one that came out with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm like, why yeah. couldn't they just get together and do one powerful, you know, blockbuster instead of confusing us with two different stories? I didn't and like. You that see that much. in Hollywood. I mean, you get an idea, or you get someone that that you want to go ahead and cover, and it seems like yeah. you're competing. I understand it's about the almighty dollar. When it all right. comes down to it, it's all about ratings and dollars. Right. I understand it, but still. It just makes it confusing for the audience out there. Which one yeah, do I believe? Is. Especially if they show different information on the same event. Let's say something exactly. happened in Sydney Poitier's life and it's covered differently with two different varying opinions on it. Right. Then it's the confusing. questions come in. Yeah. It yeah. just gets confusing. But, but it yeah. makes you wonder, okay, which story is the real one or will we never know? So exactly. I feel like they should get together. It's so new right now that they still have time to get together instead of rolling out this whole thing. I mean... I don't know. I, I would rather see the other one that's going to be done from his family and his friends and his true people than just a simple like praise documentary from, you know, anybody else. I mean, I just I don't know, but I'm going to watch them both just to kind of, like you said, compare and contrast. Of what, he is what one of I the greatest like actors of all time. So absolutely, yeah, he, absolutely. he deserves any type of remembrance and any type of praise that he That's will right. ever get. So That's true. All right. <laughs> well, Don, it's been great having you here. Looking forward to having you stop by next month covering yep. the world of television right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Thanks so much to Don Fobbs for joining us. I thought it'd be cool to see two years in how some of our predictions for the decade are doing, so I've got our PC Multiverse number 153 on tap with Imran Javid of the Jock and Nerd podcast sharing some thoughts that we had at the beginning of this decade in January 2020. All right, and we're back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here, and we need to look ahead in the world of pop culture because pop culture just became such a big thing in the last decade, and it's going to be even bigger in this one. And here to talk with me about what he hopes, and also hopefully what I hope as well for the future of pop culture, is a good man indeed. He is one of the most knowledgeable persons out there when it comes to pop culture. He's a pop culture icon. Okay. I like that. I like the pop culture icon. How Wait, there's somebody else on the show? Who's this person? You got to catch his awesome show, the Jock and Nerd Podcast. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. It is Imran Javed. And Imran, I'm just so happy and it's just ecstatic that you're finally on the program. Dude, I'm glad we can finally connect. Like, I hear you on Voice from the Underground all the time. I see you in all the Facebook groups. Jason Dutch always speaks highly of you. And that was a crazy intro. Thank you. I thought you were talking about another person you had on the show, but that's me. 
looking at the war between the MCU, Marvel, and DC Warner Brothers movies leading into the future. What a decade it's been for Marvel. Of course, undoubtedly. No one would doubt that. But it's almost gotten to a place where you could say you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, they've announced four movies a year for the next three years. That's 12 movies in three years, people. That's a lot of movies. And, you know, Faiji's saying with the Eternals, every movie is going to change everything you know. And you kind of have to say that with every movie. Now, DC, on the other hand, very interesting how they have ended this decade. They have kind of are starting to hit up. They're trying. They're, they're try catching stuff. up. They're starting to fix the train wreck. They've had hits with Shazam. Two billion dollar movies very quickly with Aquaman and the Joker and the Joker being R-rated, them taking that risk and it paying off way better than they expected. I think they just announced the Birds of Prey Margot Robbie's movie will also be R-rated. And this is the one thing they can do that Marvel cannot is put out an R-rated superhero movie yet, unless until they do it. I feel like this is their edge. So you know, with the success of like Logan and Deadpool, I'm really interested to see where like this adult R-rated comic book movies go, and especially what DC if they're going to do more spinoffs and do more adult-natured stuff like that. That could be the thing to uh, give them their spot, just as big as the MCU. And that's the thing I wanted to ask you because, like you exactly hit it right on the head, DC at the tail end of this decade started to get things right. It's something that both your show and my show has repeatedly been negative on is the way Warner Brothers and DC handled its business over the course of the past few years. But finally, finally, they're starting to see the light as far as how to go about doing things in a superhero universe. But now you have a tenuous point in time where the tide and momentum can shift yeah. radically. I mean, Marvel, as you said, it explained all this as far as not only 12 films, but integrating the television series within Disney Plus as well, which is a very novel idea, which is extremely intelligent on the surface. But is it going to pay off? And with the names and the movies that are coming out, at least in the short term, in the front part of the first part of the decade for Marvel, some of those are big risks. And some of those are, you know, with the Eternals and Shang-Chi. I personally am excited to see a Kung Fu movie that will be on the scale of what it is. But again, it's a big financial risk. Also as well, the Eternals. We talked about before, I'm sure I know on your show and my show about the Eternals and the the familiarity of getting people to know the, the, the actual, the generic audience at large out there how to go ahead and understand what are the Eternals. I mean, it worked for them one time with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Will it work again? So there's some big risks that Marvel are taking on the front side of the decade, whereas DC is going to hit you up with the Wonder Woman 84. It's going to hit you, like you said, with the Shazam 2 coming up here in the near future, Black Adam. Even though that's not as familiar, it has Dwayne The Rock Johnson behind it. There are more familiar names. The Batman as well, that's going to be revamped with Robert Pattinson. There's safer bets on the DC side, at least in the short term. So I'm interested to see how that affects the long term. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you is, how is this going to transition forward into the decade for both Marvel and DC? Uh, That's a good question. And it kind of segues into my next thing that I wanted to look forward to. But, God, you're absolutely right. I feel like DC next year has won the game by just landing the rock, like, you get the rock on your side, ding, 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 you got points. But this is where DC movies are at their 
evolution. It took him these last seven years to figure it out, to finally shake loose everything Zack Snyder was trying to do and figure out what they want to do. Now, what I like that Marvel's doing is, yes, it's risky. They're smaller movies. But my next point was, this is going to sound funny looking at me, but I'm excited to see more brown people in movies and TV. Let me explain myself. I'm actually Pakistani-American born to immigrant parents. Kumail Nanjani had just got jacked. He's, a, he's got a role in Eternals. And I was like, oh, my God, look at Kumail. They're doing Miss Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Do you realize how ecstatic that makes me when I discovered this book? This is about a teenage Muslim American born to Pakistani immigrant parents in high school who gets powers. Now, I am also a Pakistani American who was raised in Chicago to immigrant parents. And in high school, I wish I had powers. I didn't have any powers. But if I did, I would be Miss Marvel. That's what I tell everyone. I'm Miss Marvel. So to see that on TV and to get, have kids and, and little girls like look up to that and want to be that. By the time the end of the decade hits, who do you think stands on top? Because, you know, we've heard so many rumors about, oh, the Secret Wars and where does the X-Men fit in and where does Fantastic Four fit in for Marvel? Plus with DC, you know, Robert Pattinson, he's going to be the Batman for the, the rest of this decade and, and so Justice League going to return at some point in time and how is that DC storyline going to fit in? Where do you think the narrative is going to go as far as who will come out on top by the end of the decade? Just seeing the trends as it's starting right now. Ah, that's a good one, too. What happens? On the Marvel side, Kevin Feige has now, with the acquisition of Fox, hundreds, even hundreds more new characters to play with. And yes, I think in the next 10 years, we will see the X-Men, we will see Fantastic Four, and they'll probably be spread out, whether it's bringing in the villain first, like a Dr. Doom, who definitely deserves to be in the MCU. He's like one of the ma most amazing badass villains they have, and he would be perfect to tie up a lot of things. Well, let me all... ask you this. Do you yeah. think he's an Ultron-level Avengers baddie, or do you think he is a Thanos-level Avengers baddie? Mm, that is a good question. I think he's more Ultron-ish, but that's yeah. just me. I would say somewhere in between. I mean, he's, you know, the fact that he's human maybe gives him an edge over... AI or an alien, but you know his level of manipulation and and just charm and and knowledge and and smarts and knowledge that he could build. He's got Doombots, so he's like a little bit in the middle. He's like maybe if the, if Thanos had a bunch of Doombots, that's what you're gonna get. That'd be crazy. So, like I said, Marvel's got a lot to play with. DC, on the other hand, it's very they've you know they do this thing where they've announced 20 movies. None of them are ever gonna get made, maybe, but they're still out there. They just put Flash back on the docket after having seven directors. and But there's a great movie to be made there. I don't understand why it's so difficult. So once they once they get their act together, I think they have a potential of, of painting a really nice broad universe to give you know something for kids to something for adults and everywhere in between. Who comes out on top? It's so hard. You know, I want to say Marvel just because of their track record and Give them another 10 years. Like, what are they going to do to blow us away? Here's the wild card that I thought of. And it was actually another great segue into the last thing I wanted to talk about. Spider-Man's future at the moment, completely up in the air, right? We know he's got a little bit of time left with the MCU. And then he's got to go back to Sony. Does he go into these Venom movies? Do they make a spinoff? Does Sony actually do something right and create an amazing shared universe that overtakes both DC and Marvel. Could that happen? Probably not. But 
the uncertainty and the potential for Spider-Man going forward. Now, they may also really screw the pooch and get me mad. So I think Spider-Man being the wild card is going to be very interesting. Do they pull some other stunt and recast him? Does it get rebooted yet again three more times during the next decade? All possible. It's all possible. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige is given a lot of credit, and deservedly so, as far as how he's shaped the superhero narrative in the past decade. But coming up in this decade, yes, we're all thinking that Kevin Feige is going to be a major part of that. He may have that mapped out and may hop over to the Star Wars universe because we know he's going to be a producer to one film. Do you think he's going to have to go ahead and get himself more involved with the Star Wars universe after seeing what's gone on with both The Last Jedi and its divisiveness amongst fans, not critics, but fans, and in this case, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which is divisive with pretty much everybody right now that's seen it. In my opinion, they absolutely need Kevin Feige's assistance over there. Look, I don't understand how you announce we're making the last three chapters of this beloved 40-year-old franchise, and you didn't have a plan for the three movies? You're making stuff up as you go. This is unacceptable. What are you doing? Kevin Feige, also a Star Wars fan, and I think he is smart enough to know that Star Wars is not Marvel. You can't do Star Wars tried it. We're going to give you one thing every year. Then Wouldn't it be put- funny, though, if Mace Windu just ended up, you know, at a, after screen credits? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Bring them all back. I'm getting a team together. <laughs> that's what, but I think that's, that's now that we got this Skywalker saga out of the way, it's done. I think they don't need to be hampered by trilogies. I think give me stuff like Rogue One, Mandalorian. That's my flavor of Star Wars that I love. And I think those have been the most successful. Surprised that I wasn't the biggest of fans of this new trilogy. And I can see what they were doing. But, man, that's a, it's hard. The way you, you set up that first movie and then reset up in a second movie, you can't finish all that in, in just a third movie. It's impossible. And we tried, and it's kind of a hot mess. So it's done. Let's move on. We got Babu Frick, who I think should dethrone Baby Yoda as the cutest Star Wars thing because I loved him in the movie. But Feige is is a smart, and he is a fan, and he has relationships with John Favreau already. Dave Filoni is a very important piece of this puzzle. They've got him in now on the live-action side. Dude, just ask Dave Filoni to consult on everything. That guy knows good Star Wars. Everything he's done is feels like Star Wars. So I'm hopeful, despite how this whole thing played out, the fact that they gave us this Mandalorian and Rogue One the way it was, I'm hopeful that like there is... There's still magic in there. And that's something I want to ask you is that, you, you know, right now the only thing that's been confirmed is that Rian Johnson is still working on something within the Star Wars universe and that Kevin Feige is going to produce something in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And that to me is a little bit suspect right there for you because the Game of Thrones writers said hasta la vista and said, yep. you'll see you later. I think there still needs to be more to be done. I still think there needs to be, uh, like you said, fresh eyes on the Star Wars universe to create fresh new projects that are out there. I don't see anything coming for as far as for the big screen for another three, four years. And they Dis- shouldn't be. Just let it rest. Yeah. Disney has, st- has clearly stated that that's what they want to go ahead and do. But again, it all comes down to a $4 billion investment in yeah. Star Wars, $4 billion investment in Marvel. 
right now they've already got everything back from marvel star wars is still suspect on their investments so i know they want to go ahead and pay off it at some point in time so like i said there's it's going to be a movie they've said within maybe what three four five years when you see that happening who do you think it's going to come from is it going to come from rian johnson kevin feige or someone else you know it's gonna be interesting to see how kevin feige and kathleen kennedy get along because it I know she's not going to work for him and he probably doesn't want to work. Like it's going to have to be two side to side. And if they can make that work, that's going to be a big part of it. It's, you know, she's going to push back on his ideas and I'm sure he'll have great ideas. I think they need to let it rest. Super excited for Ewan McGregor coming back on, on TV as, uh, as Obi-Wan. That's a great move. Smart stuff like that. Cassie and Andor. It, it could sound cool. Problem is we know what happens to We know he's not going to die in the TV show. People. You know, he started, so he's going to survive all this. So I don't know what the point are there stakes in this. I do like Diego Luna and it's a great movie. So I think it'll be, hopefully it should be Feige. I don't know why they let Ryan Johnson just do whatever he wanted. Kathleen Kennedy fires almost everyone else. And she just let Ryan Johnson do Yeah, go ahead. Do whatever you want. It's cool. Okay. And he did. And he basically... Did. J.J. Abrams retconned the retcon that he retconned oh off of J.J. Oh Abrams. Makes your head spin. It does. It does. Yeah. Regardless of everybody's opinions out there of Rise of Skywalker, there's still a lot of things that can be done within the Star Wars universe in the next decade. So I'm hopeful, like you said, for some great things going on there. But I just want to ask this as we touch on something else after Star Wars. I mean, do you think Star Wars can be as viable a property as it once was, as vaunted or as special as it as you know basically as it is to us yeah can it be special once again to a younger audience or younger audiences because i'm beginning to see more and more apathy towards the star wars universe as these new releases get more and more mediocre to disappointing and you're just seeing the results of that i mean everybody's going baby yoda baby yoda but that's still in essence, still a TV show. You can only do so much and expand yeah. so much with a TV show. Yeah, it's yeah. Ultimately, what happens on the big screen that can take the Star Wars universe back to a realm where it was once before. I feel like they've still gotten to the kids, the, the younger kids, the toy buying audience. You know, I see little girls dressed up as Ray and a bunch of the characters. So you're going to have that generation who just love this because of the age they were. Similar to how the kids growing up with the prequels kind of you know that that became their star wars so there's always the generation at that age this is your star wars now they just have to what i think other thing that i think makes it special is really the absence of star wars things you gotta let it breathe gotta take it away and then give us something really good and then take it away now with the, the marvel comics they've been putting out have been fantastic but of course i don't think a lot of people read the comics jedi fallen order is one of the first games in years that i actually finished i finished the game in years and this story completely enthralled me that's in canon you got that awesome character and a bunch of characters in there you could i would love to see adventures about them and now that the skywalker saga is over i just need parallel adventures where occasionally they bump into stuff that happened in the main saga because it shouldn't be about skywalker but it's always kind of going to be around this whole story starting you know with uh, phantom menace too rise of skywalker but just show me parallel things on the side kind of like what the mandalorian is doing kind of like what rogue one did i also think that parks the theme parks what disney is doing with their mastery of animatronics and digital technology 
Some of the videos I've seen of this rise of this resistance ride is unbelievable. It, I'm like, you are in a you are in a star destroyer. Like, how's how are they doing this? Like, it looks so real and it looks so immersive. The tech is there, so I think the rides are going to help push them into the next decade and keep them keep them in the spotlight. I hope it does. I hope it does. Once again, I'm speaking to Imran Javed of the Jock and Nerd Podcast. You can catch it today everywhere you get your podcast. I want to hear any last thoughts on the decade ahead for pop culture. I'm thinking about like my comic book, actual print comic books, and the kind of up and down sales they've seen in the past. And now the fact that Kevin Feige like controls even like the comic book publishing and he controls everything. I'm always like, will print books be a thing of the past at some point? You know, I have the DC Universe app and I kind of sometimes pull it up and I'll read comic books on my TV, which is kind of cool. And on an iPad with the backlit, it's a great experience. Problem for me is they are $4 a pop now, making it really hard to keep up week to week with things. So I wonder what what mediums will die off, you know, finally. We'll go the way of the 8-track or cassettes. Man, these kids don't even know what VHS tapes are anymore. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Speaking of predictions in pop culture, with Josh coming back to the show very soon, I thought I would reach back into the vault in how it all started for us with a look back at our very first episode of the pop culture cosmos so listen in and guess what we got right and what we got wrong about the future way back in august of 2016. i tell you what we are so happy to be here i'm so excited my name is gerald glassford and i'm here with my good friend the author of vendetta dark and the upcoming novel with what can i say the best title in the universe congratulations you suck it's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Hey, hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's the initial, initial, initial show for Pop Culture Cosmos. My background, I've been responsible for running GameSource and YourGameSource.com for the past seven years. We are working with a collaborative effort from many different outlets. So really, really appreciate everyone for coming in on this. And, and we thank most of all you, the audience, for listening out there. A big, big shout out goes to John Sweeney Jr. for allowing us to be a part of the podcast radio network schedule, and we hope to make it a worthwhile adventure for them, as well as a worthwhile adventure for you, the audience out there as well. But we have to go back and look at the winners and losers for the summer box office of 2016. And who better to do that with me than my good friend, Josh? What sticks out in your mind as far as, well, let's say the big hits for this summer of 2016 i would say captain america civil war definitely i like suicide squad i know that's a controversial 
subject when it comes to box office earnings, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It depends how you look at it with Suicide Squad. Let's first off say that they cannot, the movie is not going to be played in China, which is the, you know, by now has grown into the second largest market and at some point in time will become the largest market for movie audiences. So there you go. There's probably about $150, $200 million that maybe Suicide Squad couldn't make. As of right now, it's right around $640 million worldwide. Do you see a future for Suicide Squad in the DC movie universe? I definitely do. That's because the the Suicide Squad spans over their villains from several different comic books. So you have you, know, you have Harley Quinn, and and they're big characters too. So you have Joker, Harley Quinn, and Deadshot, especially. Deadshot's been Batman, Arrow. Yeah, I see a future for them. People have their expectations set really high with comic book movies, but you know you have a an obscure comic book like Suicide Squad, and you just you know you got to give it a chance. Watch it for what it is. Oh, with Wonder Woman and the Justice League movies on the way, they're hopeful that that they can garner a better reaction from a larger audience. Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman both did not perform quite probably in Warner Brothers' estimation. What are some of the other winners that stuck out to you this summer season? Jason Bourne. I I liked Jason Bourne. It wasn't my favorite of the Bourne movies, but it had a lot going for it. And The Conjuring 2 was really good. I mean, the first one was hard to top, but the second one was good. It had all the things that a horror movie needs to be without the teenagers making stupid choices. As far as The Conjuring 2, I mean, that leads into a bigger issue as far as those type of movies, those scary movies, those low-budget horror movies, Don't Breathe just came out recently, and that has garnered number one box office money. As That was the last hit of the summer, Don't Breathe, and The Conjuring 2, Purge Election Year. And there's, there's quite a few more of these low-budget horror flicks that actually do make studios quite a bit of profit margin, even if they don't do it as far as a worldwide gross per se. Your thoughts on actually why they connect so well with audiences, at least in the first couple of weeks for each of these films. People really like to be scared. People love being scared. And personally, I don't know about you, but I like going on Netflix and I like watching terrible horror movies. If, if, if people didn't like to be scared and people didn't like cheesy horror movies, then... You know, movies like Sharknado wouldn't have done as well as it did. So I, I think... Well, that's the, a horror movie for an entirely different reason, my friend. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, you watch... There's there's a lot of, like, really cheesy horror movies, like Zombievers. And, you know, that's just one of the ridiculous titles on Netflix. But pe- people always... like. There's something about being scared, the novelty of being scared. And if you're not scared, it still gives you something to make fun of. So that I think that's why horror movies do so well with audiences. I also want to touch on one more big win situation, and that is the Disney juggernaut. I mean, they had four films, four films that topped $900 million so far this year, and three of them were during the summer movie season. Your thoughts on how Disney does so well? Well, they're four out of seven, I should say. Four out of seven films so far this year have, have hit big for them. What do you think is in their secret sauce? How do you think it works so well for them? And what do you think they have on the queue next that might hit big as well? Disney is very formulaic in their movie making. It not, that's not to say that the movies aren't good. That, you know, who doesn't love a good formula? But Disney, they know what audiences want. They've made, you know, they've made mistakes. John Carter was quote unquote a mistake. But 
you know, they know what audiences want. They, they have great writers, great directors, and they, they give audiences what they want. They pay attention. That, and that's why I think it was such a great thing that they acquired Lucasfilms and Marvel, because now, you know, look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's like a juggernaut right now. So they, Disney knows how to make movies. That's, it's as simple as that. People love Star Wars. People love Marvel. So <laughs> that's what we're just talking about. Yeah. Doctor Strange and Rogue One looks, it looks gritty beyond any Star Wars movie I've ever seen. So I'm excited about that one. Now you're cited for all those movies and, and those, a lot of those movies were big hits. So what are some of the disappointments this summer that you saw? And, and what are some of the things that maybe audience should take away next time summer season comes around? I think that first we should point out the big turd in the room, which is Ghostbusters. I think the script was bad. The writing was bad. They didn't really give us anything that we haven't seen before. What is it? Ghostbusters 2, when the ghosts were attacking New York, they pretty much, it was the same movie rehashed and it relied really heavily on cameos and callbacks to the first two movies, which they kind of destroyed in this movie. Star Trek Beyond. I gave it a positive review. Did not like it on a personal level as much as the previous two rebooted series. So I think with the reboot, people like the idea of J.J. Abrams and an origin story. So they, you know, if they hadn't seen Star Trek before, they could jump on. And that was an excellent movie. I absolutely loved it. And then the second one came out and people were like, you know, okay, I'll I'll give this one a, a, a try. But I think that with a third movie, I don't think that it's the fact that it's performed badly in the box office. I think people are waiting for it to come out on DVD so they can watch it through Redbox or Voodoo On Demand, whatever they use to watch movies. And one more thing we want to talk about as far as the losers are concerned, got to also talk about video game movies. Angry Birds movie actually exceeded expectations for Sony, and they've already announced production on a a second movie, hopefully in the future. Unfortunately, the Warcraft movie did miserable here in the United States, but did gangbusters in China. Your thoughts on the Warcraft movie, which I personally did not like, does it have a future, and could it only be in China? Warcraft is a, it's a huge universe. I think that they were trying to take, what, like three or four games worth of mythology and packing it into one movie, and audiences didn't really get that. Of course, like the, you know, the people who are diehard Warcraft fans loved it, but they aimed too big. They need to simplify it for audiences. But I also want, when we're talking video games, talk about the big albatross in the room that comes out every August, and that's Madden. Your thoughts, Josh? on Madden this year and do you think you're well do you think the Madden hype has been lost somewhat and the Madden series may be getting a little bit older in the tooth and and fan interest may not be what it once was in such a storied and great franchise I think the Madden kind of lost its excitement a long time ago I feel like at this point they're just you know, doing what most of the sports franchises do, which is just beat a dead horse over and over again, except for FIFA, who has kind of come back from that. And that's what I want to tell you. When I was running game stores and whatnot, and and I was chastised by a manager, fellow manager, saying that, that I only had 300 pre-orders at that time. And they asked me why. I said, well, because we're getting more FIFA pre-orders at that time. This was back in, you know, in the late 2007, 8 range. And I told them we are pushing FIFA because that is the way to go. More audiences are becoming more enamored with the soccer concept here in America and that it would be actually being more well-known because it is the world's most popular game. 
So I thought eventually you would see that turn. So it looks like FIFA has now taken that edge away from Madden. And Madden, while it still has its numbers, they're not as large as they once were. Right. And, and also, they're not really bringing anything new to the franchise. New players, obviously. But a lot of people, a lot of people I know who play it still, they, you know, they don't ever buy Madden until it goes on sale during Black Friday or some other day. But they take their old games and they just update the rosters. So it's kind of, you know, how much money you want to spend on it. What What's what's exciting about it to you? What What's bringing people to the franchise? And it's not really not a lot to offer there. I'm just telling you right now that Madden still has some life, but it's not quite the series it once was, unfortunately. Let's let's hope they get it back in gear so following years there can be some excitement about the Madden franchise and, and see it at the levels it once was for audiences because it can only benefit from that, not only from a player's perspective, but from electronic arts perspective as well. When we come back, we're talking comic books right here on Pop Culture Cosmos, right after the break. Hey everyone, if you are looking for the latest news in movies, TV, video games, sci-fi, comic books, pro wrestling, technology, esports, and more, look no further than Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter. Each week we provide hundreds of stories across the internet bringing you closer to the latest news and information in the pop culture world. Stop by, and while you're there, like us and follow us today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Josh, I want to talk first about Spider-Man Homecoming. Do you think people should just appreciate the fact that Sony and Marvel are headed in a new direction, which could benefit them as far as the Spider-Man franchise is concerned? I've written a lot of stories on this. Like you've read them for both National University and my, you know, myself. And I, I've learned that I, it's, it's hard to really like, you can complain about this stuff all you want to, but it's not really going to do a lot of good. So at this point, I've kind of just learned to sit back and like hope that I'm going to be pleasantly surprised by a lot of these casting choices. But at the same time, like if it goes bad, I'm going to be like, yeah, you know, I told you so. But it's a touchy issue for some people because a lot of people I've talked to about it, to them, Spider-Man is their childhood. It's a bold move and it's interesting. And this is what Marvel is aiming to do slowly they're slowly injecting more diversity into the marvel cinematic universe but it's we'll just have to wait and see to me i'm just waiting to see hopefully they deliver but i see what they're trying to do they're trying to paint a modern portrait of queens which is full of diversity it's a next summer release correct right 2017 and you know don't don't go in there wanting to hate it because you're going to come out hating it so it's Well, there's a reason why that the Spider-Man franchise as a whole is taking these bold steps and a new direction because they saw the declining numbers of their previous Spider-Man films. So they needed to go in a new direction, correct? Correct. I, and, you know, I'm still a little bit sore about the loss of Amazing Spider-Man. It's just that's what audiences want these days. And it's audiences are calling for something. You got to answer the call. So it's really that simple. It's not just a marketing ploy. It really is what people want to see. So the comic book purists out there, I'm telling you, just just give it a chance, man. If you if you're going into it with 
wanting it to fail, you're probably going to miss out on what could be a great movie. And if not, at least you can say, I told you so. So there's that. And if there's one show, one show that you see that might break out with audiences, what would that be, Josh? Westworld. HBO Westworld. I know that's a pre- that's a subscription channel, but it's it's intriguing. You watch the trailers and you're like, what am I going to get out of this? Because it's based on, you know, works by Michael Crichton. So it's like going to have a moral to it. But knowing HBO, they'll probably like, you know, throw some stuff in there that's not morally sound. But it's all to teach a lesson. And I, I love that idea. Well, it's no longer about just broadcast television anymore. When you say television, you have to look at Hulu, Netflix. You have to look at all of them is because TV now is an actual different concept than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And you have to look at shows. Some of the best shows on television are on HBO. And as far as some of the most watched television shows are on HBO and Netflix. What, let, let me ask you, let me ask the questions this time. What are your thoughts on Luke Cage, Mr. Glassford? I like it. I think that's, again, another bold step as far as being able to to bring out that that character. I think it's a, a really, really good choice. I'm very eager uh, to see it, and especially coming from, from the Netflix uh, Marvel friendship love fest, uh, as far as it's concerned. Because you see what has already happened with Daredevil, with Jessica Jones. Uh, those shows have connected with audiences and also, you know, perform admirably as far as with critics and whatnot. I think, you know, Luke Cage is going to go fall right into that. I think it's, you know, the character's already been introduced into that world. And I, I see nothing but good things as well. Uh, Luke Cage, I think, will be another strong entry into the Netflix Marvel Universe. I agree. He's he's an obscure superhero like Jessica Jones, which Jessica Jones took me a while to get into. And I feel like, uh, you know, the villain stuck around longer than he should have. But there, it was an, is intriguing. It's an intriguing story, intriguing characters. And Luke Cage is definitely a huge part of that. So I'm curious to see what he does on his own and if he's able to hold his own as well as Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Couldn't agree with you more on that. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was as, the as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who's that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh. Jock and Nerd! Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. 
Right. I, I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much as always for joining us and stay tuned as Melinda and I are back on Friday prepping you for another great pop culture weekend right here on the PCC Multiverse. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Helm report. Sir, there's Klingons on the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow. What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek. Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.